Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. All presidents say they want to bring the American people together, according to Dr. Andrew Polk, an associate professor of history. Some 20th century presidents turned that mission into a concerted, God-centered effort of the federal bureaucracy. Polk's new book, Faith in Freedom, Propaganda, Presidential Politics, and the Making of an American Religion, lays out the evidence, some of which you may have already witnessed, especially if you're a baby boomer. We'll hear about it after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. An MTSU doctoral candidate is only one of 15 people to receive one of the most competitive STEM education fellowships in the country. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. Sarah Salisbury, who is pursuing her doctorate in Math and Science Education with a concentration on Biological Education, is MTSU's first ever recipient of a Community for Advancing Discovery Research in Education Fellowship, supported by the National Science Foundation. Salisbury, a native of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who lives in Nashville, focuses on bringing the science of ecology closer to home for middle school students by relating it to experiences in their own lives. Salisbury's work dovetails with the NSF-funded project, which designs opportunities for math and science teachers to use statistical and model-based curricula. It helps the students see the connection between the scientific data they collect and mathematics. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. I refer back to something I said in the intro of some of the propaganda we may have already witnessed, especially if we're talking about baby boomers. The Ad Council had numerous PSAs on television when I was a child. Now, some of them had fairly benign messages. Smokey the Bear saying, only you can prevent forest fires. Well, who's in favor of forest fires, right? (laughs) Uh And uh, give to the college of your choice. Well, we certainly applaud that notion, that sort of thing. Now, did these come along under Eisenhower when TV was in its infancy, or did those start appearing on TV later? Uh, No, those were actually before Eisenhower. Those were with Truman. Mm Yeah, so the, those were the two biggest ones. Uh, so there was the, the Freedom Train that we've talked about. There was another campaign that was already present called United America, uh, right? All Americans are united in, in these things, and religion was the central aspect of that. But the biggest one was religion in American life. And this was, was specifically from the Ad Council. They organized the entire thing. They pitched it to the federal government. Again, they, they go, they have a partnership with the federal government. So the message that they're showing, the, the, the White House, Truman's White House, specifically coordinated with them with the message. Uh, the one that you'll know from this, and, and you may have heard this because it continues throughout. I've heard this throughout churches throughout my life. Families that pray together stay together, mm-hmm. right? That came from the advertising council. Uh, it was on, on the radio, it was on new TV, it was on billboards throughout America, it was on loaves of bread. You picked up bread at the supermarket, uh, and on the back it had uh, a picture of a family worshiping, reading the Bible together, and you go and visit the synagogue or church of your choice, right? And mm-hmm. this is directed from the U.S. government. The message of this isn't inherently bad, as you said with the others, um, that's, that's not the issue, right? You can believe that 
um, theologically that America has a, a, a divine destiny in the world. You can believe that, uh, that religion is or, or should be at the, the heart of America. All that's okay. But again, I can't stress enough, these are non-theologians, non-religious leaders. They weren't concerned with the faithfulness of this. They were working on behalf of politicians to use that message to get Americans to vote and to back policies in a specific way. Uh, one of Eisenhower's aides called this religiously motivated action in the political sphere. All right, so all of this is happening beforehand. Uh, Eisenhower adopts this. Uh, he still uses, he becomes a part of the Religion American Life campaign. It continues. Uh, he is, is on board with these programs as a whole. But he actually is the one who turns this to, to a different level. Uh, he still participates with the Ad Council. Uh, the American Legion comes to him uh, with what they call the Back to God campaign, another national campaign, incredibly massive, uh, that was promoting these same things. Religion is the heart of America. Um, even this religious ecumenicity, it, it, was, it was mostly Protestant Christianity is really the core of it. Uh, right. Again, FDR's original message of this with Christmas letters that he started the, the entire campaigns of all this started with. Uh, he sent letters to uh, the representatives of the Jewish faith, the Catholic faith and the Protestant faith, as he called it. But even his letter to uh, Rabbi Adler of, of the Jewish faith mentioned the glories of Christmas and the Christ child being born. Right. <laughs> Which is a really weird thing to talk to a Jewish leader about. Let's all celebrate together. All of these things were moving together, uh, but for, for Eisenhower, the big differences were a group called FRASCO. Uh, that was their, their acronym, Foundation for Religious Action in the Social and Civil Order. Uh, this was uh, Eisenhower's personal pastor uh, and another man, uh, Elson, uh, and another man, Lowry, who had written against communism as a religious representative. They decided that the way that you really get people moving in America is you convince leaders. And so they decided in essence, let's drop this religious unity thing. That's what's always killed these programs beforehand. Religious representatives will never be unified. There's too many differences. We don't care about theological or doctrinal difference. We said this explicitly. We don't care, it's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are what they called social issues. Issues that aren't explicitly in the church, they aren't explicitly a purview of the state, but there's something in between. And so let's talk about social issues, right? Their social issues were fighting communism, uh, advancing prosperity through free enterprise, right? And of course, now the social issues are uh, abortion and, and LGBTQ issues, right? Homosexual marriage. All of that, including the 70s, 80s, and 90s, is is a rehash of this, this Frasco movement, this concept that if you have the separation of church and state in America, that's all well and good, but that's institutional separation. And so what you can do are have social issues where religious people, because of their theological beliefs, fight for them, and they use that politically. Uh, and that was, that was the big transition of this. In essence, theology gets completely taken out explicitly. It's not concerned with theology. It's concerned with politics, with policy. Uh, but religion is the way to motivate people 
to support those policies. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. This is MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. How much do you think all this religious propaganda played into the hands of Joseph McCarthy and his followers in the 1950s? Uh, I I think tremendously. Uh, I think this comes to the way, the the legacy of the way that it's been used uh, today too, which we can talk about later if you want. When you, you have a concept that America at its core, to be a patriotic American is to look like this, to believe these things, to support these things. And you set that up in such a way to where if you are not those things, you are an enemy of the United States. It is an almost apocalyptic, right? It's a moral dichotomy. And and that was the construction. So if you, a patriotic American goes to religious worship services, right? A patriotic American um, hates socialism, uh, and, and is uh, convinced of, of capitalistic superiority. Uh, a good American supports America at, at all costs and everything, right? The underbelly of all of this that I, I believe comes with McCarthy too, is that the, the kind of unsaid fourth pillar of this construction was do not talk about race. Uh, this came from the, the Roosevelt's early efforts and certainly through Truman's and Eisenhower's. Um, to talk about race, to, to bring up even racial injustices, uh, the, the hypocrisy of this, this rhetoric compared to the live reality of black and brown Americans is to be unpatriotic, to in essence be heretical and to help support the, the communists, America's enemies. To bring up, to even talk about this stuff is to be an, an enemy of America. And it's that type of language that, that McCarthy jumped on, right? This idea that if you aren't these things, then you help our enemy and you're trying to destroy us, right? You, you can't have two different people of different persuasions, different ideas say, you know what? We both love America. We both want what's best for this country and for Americans, but we have different ideas of how to get there or policy recommendations. No, there's too much nuance there. Uh, you are either behind this or you hate the country, which is insane, right? That's not the way we work. But this construction was ideally suited for that because it was religious. It was moral. It was light versus darkness. It was good versus evil. And good was a very specific type of an American idea. And anything outside of that was evil. Uh, and so this is the type of language that, that McCarthy jumped on. 
and honestly, I, I think this is the, the troubling legacy of this as we've seen it today, um, because that same, same dynamic still seems to be in play. Do you think that they were afraid of a resurgence of the socialist leaning lefties that arose during the Great Depression in the 30s? Because a lot of McCarthy's victims had embraced socialism, socialism uh, some of them rejected it after they found out what a horrible person Stalin was, but uh, a, a great many of them were also Jewish. Uh, did that happen to cause a, a Judeo-Christian split in the way people were looking at this? To, in some sense, but I think what we have to remember is that there was no real unity involved in Right. The it was a facade of unity. It was the idea of unity behind specific policies. So I, I would argue there was never really a Judeo-Christian unity at any point in this. Right. Because, as I said beforehand, Jews were allowed some access to the American mainstream by this as long as they could they could prove their patriotism. Right. That their loyalty. But on these specific terms. But the religious concept of that was always on Christian Protestant terms. So the fact that the Jews were, were often singled out, again, there is, it's been argued, there's been the, the height of anti-Semitism in America was during the Second World War. Well, there were massive instances of this. Um, all of this was problematic the entire time. Uh, and so once you get to this idea that, well, we have we have good and evil, we have light and dark and you anyone has enough power to define what the good is. Uh, it's not surprising that a whole bunch of people that don't look like them, aren't a part of them, don't act like them, don't worship like them. All those people are on the outs. Sometimes this was intentional. Um, again, these programs were were very intentional campaigns of domestic propaganda. Sometimes they developed outside of this. Uh, once people accepted this, it becomes really easy to other um, anyone who doesn't fit. Uh, and it gives you an excuse, a divine excuse and a patriotic excuse to do so. Uh, so I think those were always entwined together. Speaking of people who don't look like you or talk like you or worship like you, we uh, have not brought up the fact that this whole marketing campaign totally leaves out Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and atheists and agnostics uh, who also happen to be Americans. Yep. Yeah. They, they just didn't fit at all. Uh, they, they were virtually not mentioned. Uh, there, there's one incident of this when uh, the, the biggest controversy that, that troubled Roosevelt and Truman, at least at the beginning, uh, was that there was appointment of uh, Myron Taylor, who was uh, the special ambassador to the Vatican. In essence, he was the U.S. ambassador to the Catholic Church, uh, which absolutely just incensed Protestants. Uh, and, and Roosevelt especially was really confused about this at the beginning. He kept getting letters from people. Uh, maybe the, the actual moment of ecumenical unity in America uh, was the time that leaders of the Southern Baptist Church and the National Association of Evangelicals and the Federal Council of Churches. This is representative of conservative and, and mainline Protestants throughout the nation all got together to go to the White House to yell at Roosevelt 
were appointing Taylor. And he was confused about this afterwards. And one of the only mentions of this in the records is he, he was writing to one of the leaders of the, the Federal Council of Churches. And he just didn't understand how the Baptists were so upset with him over this. And he said, yeah, I've been thinking for a while about sending, finding some representative of what we call the Mohammedan churches. Mohammedan churches. Again, this stuff was always on Protestant terms. I'm going to find their representative. I'm going to, I'm going to write to him. You think they'd even be upset over me for that? Of course they would be upset over you this. And that is nonsensical. And it turns out he didn't ever do that because it didn't fit. He didn't need to. Anyone who did not fit, even this Protestant Catholic Jew triumvirate, um, they just weren't honestly considered. They get with it or they don't or they're not true Americans. Uh, now, I would note that the type of especially religious uh, diversity that we know today, a lot of that really started in the 1960s when the quota system of immigration was removed. So much of this is before that influx of diversity as we know it today uh, really came to the U.S. But it just wasn't on their radar. It just didn't matter. If you didn't fit this, then you should fit it or you're not a real American. Um, it was, it was a definition of America on very specific terms for very specific people. We'll take another break here. This is MTSU on the record. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun, hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. You've touched on this a bit already, but to what extent, if at all, do you think the neoconservatives of today's religious right take their cue from these earlier propaganda efforts? I think, I think that they are recycling a lot of this language and a lot of these concepts. I think it's so core to them. My understanding is I don't think they know that. Um, I don't think it's intentional. I don't think they're going back to the Religion American Life campaign uh, and saying, oh, well, what was really helpful then it worked. Um, we've been through two cycles of it. Um, so at the, the end of Eisenhower's term, one of the, the things that changed is Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham came and, and specifically, right, he, was, he called himself an evangelical, not a fundamentalist, but, but we're the new evangelical, same, same beliefs, same concepts, but we're not angry, we want to welcome everyone. Uh, and, and famously, uh, Graham and Eisenhower became friends, right? They weren't just associates, they were, they were friends. Um, Graham, even dealing with race, um, Graham struggled with this as well. His first stance was, well, we don't, we're not going to talk about race. That's not what I do. I'm here to save souls, to convince people to have a personal relationship with Christ. I'm not going to do it. 
But of course, that doesn't work when you have your uh, campaigns, you have your revivals and you go to the American South and they have segregated seating everywhere. Or they don't allow black congregants to come at all. And so he finally had to make decisions and he took a stand and said, no, there's going to be no segregation at my events. That's not what we're doing. And yet after he made that decision, he came and met with Eisenhower um, and they had a discussion about the rising civil rights movement in America and how it was helping the communists. It was weakening America. And Eisenhower asked Graham to go to the South and to convince black and white ministers to just keep it down, to not deal with this, to not talk about it, to go slow. And then, you know, black Americans will eventually get rights, but you got to take it slow. You can't force the issue. The SCLC, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, King's Organization, it's, it's pushing this too much. Too much has happened. And so Graham said, OK, I'll do it. But you don't mention this. It's going to be bad for Republicans in the next election. Graham told him this. So I'll go take care of it. Right. But that Graham's embrace of this. And he wasn't a puppet. He wasn't one of these propagandists. But he adopted these concepts that have been worked on for almost two decades. This idea and told his adherents, right? He told his congregants, people who came to his revivals, explicitly the evils of communism. How it was against God, how America had its heart in God's plan for the world. And that to be a good American meant you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior that you elevate personal sin, drinking, smoking, cussing. Those were the things that were destroying America, not racial injustice, not economic injustices, not political policies. No, don't talk about that because we love America, but you've been gambling too much. And I know that you said a curse word. That's the thing, the evil that's going to destroy America. And in essence, this type of religious propaganda became ingrained in white evangelicalism as it emerged. Uh, it became essential to the rise of the religious right and the moral majority in, in Reagan's days. And I think we see that repeated now um, in among white evangelicals uh, in the, the movement supporting Donald Trump and the way that, that, that both Trump used this language and others, his supporters did. Um, again, I don't think it's to your question. I don't think it's intentional. I don't think it's conscious. I think most people don't know that they're recycling propaganda campaigns from the 1940s and 50s, but they are because it's become so foundational to the concept of America uh, for religious and political conservatives. They can't conceive of an idea of America outside. of I would have to fight against, again, this great dichotomy. You're right. And I've gotten this from the, the letters, the, the emails that I've gotten from this other stuff. I will every probably fourth or fifth one is a liberal saying, yeah, you get them. Religion had nothing to do with America. Religion has never been a part. These are the people. And the same thing, I'm like, no, that's, that's not right either. Right. No, it no is not that's not a, what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's not factually accurate. It's not in there, but, but that's become the idea. Either God and America are together or they never have been a religion that has nothing to do with America. Both of those are functionally wrong. They're, they're just objectively right. wrong. Right. But those are like the only stances. 
the the it has always amazed me that the people who say you know we're a Christian nation because all the founding fathers were Christian. Uh-huh. But what I read was that Thomas Jefferson was a deist. Oh yeah, and that Franklin Benjamin Franklin was an atheist. Now John yeah. Adams was a Baptist, but uh, and, and maybe that uh, played into the way he thought it. We need laws because people are going to sin, and if you don't yeah. have laws, they're going to sin like crazy and tear down the nation. Yeah. But uh, I, I've never thought of you know the founding fathers in that particular way that they're being such godly fellows. We we you know build them up to be demigods, and yeah. they were just men, very intelligent men. But they were That's just right. men. very influential, very glad. But yeah. That that's always this this issue there. I mean, certainly Jefferson was was a complete deist, but even Washington was an Episcopalian who was was never confirmed. And after the sermon, he would not take the Eucharist. He would go back to Mount Vernon and send the carriage back to get Martha. Like they just weren't they were unorthodox in the way we would say it. They wouldn't be invited to preach in most of these these churches. It doesn't mean religion had no influence. Tommy Kidd, I think, has done a great job of this. It was just in the air at the time. Like there weren't there weren't a whole lot of atheists among the American population. Now, the American population didn't go to church very much. Like 17 percent of Americans went to church at least once a month. We know that data now. But everyone thought that God created the world and was a part of it. This idea of providence, all this. It was it was completely in, in the air. Everyone understood it. It just is far more nuanced and complicated than we ever like to talk about. It's about as nuanced and complicated as we actually live our lives and experience religion. We just don't ever project that to other people. It's simple narratives. That's the problem. The book is called Faith in Freedom, Propaganda, Presidential Politics, and the Making of an American Religion by Dr. Andrew R. Polk. Thanks for being with us, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate it, Keith. We'll be right back. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. Seven MTSU undergraduate student researchers, some with outstanding graduate school offers, were joined by 30 other students from Tennessee universities recently with the posters at the Capitol event at the Tennessee State Capitol. Tennessee STEM Education Center Director Greg Rushton discusses the variety of disciplines showcased. In, in terms of the actual research, I mean, I've seen things from uh, cancer biology to uh, Uh, video game um, development for uh, literacy and corn production to quantum materials and physics uh, to uh, fetal uh, growth in rats uh, using uh, some um, 
some some biochemical processes. So I mean, it's just every year it's always exciting to see the the incredible work that undergraduates can do across uh, our state and in the uh, in the laboratories they're working. So. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.